Greetings, this is Leon Armstrong, the founding pastor of World Overcomers Ministries Church in the city of Madison, Mississippi. Thank you for joining us on another episode of the Living Truth Broadcast. To learn more about our ministry, you can visit us on the web at woministries.org. If you are visiting in the Jackson, Madison, Mississippi area, you are welcome always to be our guest. You can locate us at 444 Pebble Creek Drive, Madison, Mississippi. It is our prayer that you are richly blessed by the Word of God. Please receive now our word for today. Because the greatest opportunity that we have and that we will ever have is to inherit, is to inherit God and all that He is and all that He wants to give us. And so when I when I talk about this subject, to me, it is like uh, pulling out the greatest treasures uh, that, that, that can ever be weighed or measured. And so we don't want to ever treat the treasure of God as if we are swine and as if this thing is, is of no value or worthless. This is very powerful. This is uh, very purposeful. And we are blessed among all people to be able to partake uh, of it in the name of Jesus. I'm going to ask that you turn with me to Acts uh, 20. And while you're turning there, I just want to remind you, we started off this series uh, talking about the Levites and how they were called to inherit the Lord uh, out of all the other tribes of Israel who inherited the land. Uh, they had the call to inherit God. And I feel like the overcomer, like the Levite in the New Testament, the overcomers are those who have that same disposition to inherit God and not to seek just the inheritance that everyone else is seeking. Uh, we, we're called to know him and to grow up in him. And, and, and in fact, uh, you know, he, he desires that for the entire body of Christ. But the reality is uh, there will be those who actually have a hunger and thirst for God more than anyone else. They will seek to please him. They will feed from his hands. They will drink of him. They will grow up in him. And so I pray that that is the tenor of your heart uh, as we open ourselves uh, to inherit what God wants us to inherit. Here in, in Acts 20, um, I'm going to read something that Paul wrote to the church of Ephesus. As this is one of the churches that he cultivated, and uh, he had to depart, and he told them he would never see them again. And one of the things, the last things he said to them uh, here in, in um, verse, uh, actually verse 32 of Acts chapter 20 he says, and now, after he had explained all these other things and gave them all these other warnings, he says, and now, brethren, I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and to give you an inheritance among all them which are sanctified. Okay, so we see his, 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 his sort of pointing them in the right direction. He's saying the same thing. He's saying to inherit God. He says, I commend you to God. Above everything else, I commend you to God. Let your focus, your attention, sniff God's trail out. I commend you to God above everything. Not to religion, not to men's doctrine, not to philosophy, not to you know, whatever denomination, not at all. Out of where your walk is, I commend you to God and to the word of his grace which is able to do what? Build you up and what? Give you what? An inheritance. Again, let me remind you, inheritance is beyond 
salvation or being born again. It's beyond going to heaven. A lot of Christians have settled for as long as I make it in, I'm good. And I, I tell people when I hear that, you won't feel that way when going to heaven actually comes because you're going to see everything else that God intended for you. When you see that, it's going to be very sad for you. And so you're, not, you're going to regret having that in mentality where we settle for just making it in. God didn't give you the new birth just for you to make it to heaven. The big picture is not going to heaven. The big picture is receiving your inheritance. The word inherited to inherit means you have a right. Everybody say, I have a right. You have a right to receive everything that God is and has. He wants you to share his throne. He wants you to share his kingdom with him. He wants you to rule and reign with him. He wants you to have everything that he has and more. You can't even begin to imagine all that's in your inheritance with God. And we're not just talking about material world in this life. God will bless you here. But we're talking about here and there. God wants to prepare you for the greatest things that you can ever imagine. And so you don't want to squander your time in the earth just chasing earthly things. You want to be on a course to where you are allowing yourself to be prepared. And Paul tells us here, he says, I commend you to God and to the word of his grace. Let me tell you this, the law of inheriting, the law of inheriting has to do with words, has to do with words. When someone leaves an inheritance, they have exacted it in a will so that at their dying or their passing, the will states with words what your inheritance is and how to obtain it. Amen? So Christ has come, he has died, and he's left his will for us to inherit. And so you accumulate your inheritance by understanding the will. You understand the word of God. That's why it says through the word of his grace because the New Testament will is all about grace. The New Testament writings are about grace. And so the more you know that grace has afforded you, and not just for you to walk out of here and just think the only thing I know about grace is to sing Amazing Grace. No, you have to understand what has been given to you in grace and you inherit according to what you know in the will. Can I tell you, you have to know your will or to know what's in the will to get what's in the will. Amen. Amen. If you don't know what's in the will, you cannot receive even though it's yours. All right, that's why the Bible says, the heir, as long as he is a child, differeth nothing from a servant Though he's Lord of all, he owns every, all things have been given unto him, but he can't get into it because he has not taken time to grow up to know the will. So he's still a child. And what grows us up, what builds us up is knowing the will. And so he says the word of grace is something we're going to have, have to know. Here's something, uh, go to Matthew 12, 37. And, and, and Rick, I'll just read what you put on the screen if you have that. Matthew uh, 12, 37. And you can see it on the screen right here. It says, for by thy words... If you hadn't found it, just look up at the screen. For by thy words, thou shalt be what? Justified. Justified. And by thy words, thou shalt be what? 
condemn. All right? So you're either going to know your will, the will of God, by the word of God, and you're not, or either you're not going to know it. And what's going to happen is if you don't know the will, if you don't know the words, then you, you, you'll not be able to uh, acquiesce or to obtain what God has for you. Justified means to be set free or liberated to receive. Condemned means to remain in bondage to where you cannot receive if you do not know what is yours. So if you don't know what's yours, you can stay in bondage. You can stay right where you are because you don't know. You, can't, you have nothing to, to account. You have nothing to say to God. Uh, your word says this. Uh, what about what your word says? Please give it to me. It's, it, you said it's mine, so I'm ready to receive this. And so you have to be able to say this. It's, it's another place. Go, go to the go to, uh, uh, next one, uh, Rick. And I may not have the one I want. Go to uh, the next one, Rick. Now let's read this one. Let's add this in here. He says, I, this is just an example. I, even I, he that blotteth out thy transgressions for mine own sake, and will not remember thy sins. I will not remember thy sins. That's what God says. That's part of our covenant, by the way. And, and go to the next one, Rick, and, and let's, let's everybody see this. He says, put me in remembrance. Let us plead together, declare thou that thou mayest be what? Justified. So what that means is, hey, God says, I have set the will and the testament and the covenant, but he says, I want you to put me in remembrance of what it says. You declare it, and if you know it and you can say it, then you will receive it. You'll be justified. You'll, you, it'll be yours. You're free to receive it. But if, if you don't know it, you'll, you won't be able to say what's yours, and you can remain condemned, as it were. And so, so you have to be able to know and so that you can say, God, I, God says put me in remembrance, but he didn't forget. God doesn't forget anything that he said. He just wants to see if his children has taken the time to find out what he's provided for them so that when they need it, they can say, Daddy, you said in your word that you would do this for me. Yeah. Uh, amen. You, how many of you take time to say, Father, every good gift comes from heaven. You said it in your word. I need a gift for this situation right now. You have to put God in remembrance. You have to declare it yourself. See, you, are, you see, what you're doing is that you're inheriting. You are inheriting by knowing the will and being able to declare it, say it, say to, put God in remembrance. Your word said this. I need you now. I need this now, Lord. Help me now. Teach me how to uh, obtain this. You have to be able to say it. You have to put him in remembrance. Uh, Proverbs 18, 21 says, death and life are in the power of what? Of the tongue. All right. Isn't it amazing that what you say can either bind you up, keep you condemned, bring you to nothing, what you say can lift you, free you, bring you into every blessing of God. How you speak, how you talk, what you know in the will or ignorant of the will. Because if, you, if God says, hey, listen, I'll forgive your sins and uh, I'll never remember them again. But see, you, you don't know that. So when you come talking to God, you'll probably come up and say, well, God, I've been a pretty good Christian. I had more good days than I had bad days. Now, see, you don't know the will because now you're trying to convince God that you're good enough to deserve to be blessed. And God says, that's not going to get it because if we go by that criteria, you being good enough, then I guarantee you all it takes is one bad day and that's enough to cancel everything that God would do for you. So you can't go by how good you are. You have to go by the fact that Jesus 
provided blood for you, that Jesus died for you, that Jesus is your mercy toward you. So when you come to God and you say, well, you've given me a covenant in the blood of Jesus, and you said through that blood, you said you will be merciful to all my unrighteousness and my sins and iniquities, you will remember no more. God, you said that. Now you're justified. You just justified yourself because you just said what God has provided for you instead of you coming in your own strength and your own reasoning and your own uh, theory. You, you can't approach God based on you. You have to approach God based on what God has done for you. Your inheritance. This is your inheritance. And you need to know it because this is how, in this day and hour, if you're going to be blessed of God, you need to know your inheritance. You need to know the will of God for your life in his, in his word. Amen. Now go to, go to, go to Hebrews. Let's, let's read this. We put that up on the screen too. Hebrews 1 and 1. I got to move quickly because I want to make a point here. I want to get to the point. What, what is this, this word? What is this word to us? It's going to deal with the place of exchange. And it says here in Hebrews 1, because we, we, are, we are heirs of God here. And so we, we, we came across that uh, first understanding that Jesus is the heir. And it says, God who at sundry times in divers manners spake in time past unto the fathers by the prophets, verse 2, hath in these last days spoken unto us by his son, whom he hath appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the worlds. So Jesus is appointed heir of all things, verse 3, who being the brightness uh, of his glory, the express image of his person, upholding all things by the word. All right, all things are upheld by God's word, the word of his power. In other words, his power is expressed through his words. All right, when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down at the right hand of God. So the wonderful thing about that, if Jesus is the heir of all things, he is the first son to inherit all things that God has. God gave Jesus everything that he has. Jesus is the heir of everything, the entire universe and all things that are in it. All things were made by him and for him. He is the heir of the whole universe. Think of that. But what is so wonderful is that we are joint heirs with him. The whole universe I'm talking about. I'm not talking about a few dollars in the bank. I'm not talking about a car. Some, some, that, let's not reduce God down to just material blessings, please. We're talking about ruling and reigning the whole universe with the living God. You are, joint, you are heirs of God and joint heirs. Everybody say joint heirs. You're joint heirs with Christ, the Lord. That means what he inherited was not intended just for him. He wanted to inherit as a group of participants. Who is willing to participate with me in receiving the inheritance of God? All right. Amen. And the beauty of this is it all comes by grace. <laughs> You didn't have to, listen, it's the word of grace. How easy has God made it for us to become heirs with him? You couldn't earn it, but it's a word of grace. He wants you to know the will, the words of grace. Let me give you an example of grace. When I was, we were in Bible study and we were talking about the fact uh, that, that in 2 Corinthians 5.21, 
Hey, Rick, if you have that, put that up there. 2 Corinthians 5.21. Let's just use this as an example of grace. I want to show you the grace of God through Jesus Christ. It says, for he hath made him to be what? Sin for, for us who knew no sin. He didn't have any sin of his own, but he was made to be, made to be. He made him, made him, made him to be sin for us. That we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Here is where well, I want to talk about this point of exchange. An exchange is made. He became our sin that we might become righteous. There's an exchange because we're joint heirs with him. He died our death and we died with him. He rose to new life. We rose with him. We're joint heirs with him to everything that God has. And so if Jesus died, in other words, when you examine what Jesus did, he was made to be sin for us. I said in Bible study the other day, here's, here's the grace in that, that Jesus, you, you think about the word made, made him to be sin. The word made there means he was infected with. He was almost like someone uh, poisoning him. Our sin was poisoned, injected into him. Uh, it, it, another picture is like a serpent or a snake that with venom being bitten and the venom coursing through his body. Jesus was, uh, uh, had, had, was snake bitten as it were with our sin. He didn't have any sin of his own. Okay, so it, it, and that picture fits, even though people don't like to relate to it, it fits because when he says, if I be lifted up, I will draw men. And he says, just as, he makes the comparison to Moses lifting up the brazen serpent in the wilderness, back in the wilderness. And when those Israelites sinned, when they sinned, they were sinning like crazy. And every time they sinned, someone was getting bitten by a serpent and poison was killing them. And God told Moses to get a pole, put a serpent made of brass on the top of that pole and lift that pole up. And when the people are bitten by serpents and that venom is coursing through them, have them to look up to that brass, that brazen uh, serpent, and they shall be healed. And so ex exchange happened. An exchange happened to where when they look at what the serpent represents on the pole, the serpent represents sin being killed, the venom being killed, the poison being crucified. And when they look at this, then the whatever was killing them is no longer. They are now free. They become healed. They now live. And so it is when we look at Jesus, when we encounter Jesus, we are looking at what Jesus became on the cross. Forget about these pretty pictures that show Jesus with his skin all smooth and, and just a, a little dot of blood on this hand and a little dot of blood on that hand, a little, little blood running down and a little scratch on his side. No, 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 no. Jesus had become like a serpent on that cross. His figure was changed. He had, the Bible says his visage, his form was so marred that he was not even recognized as a man. He became sin. He became sickness. He became disease that was infecting the human race. He became it on that cross and it disfigured him. It deformed him. He became our sin. He became the curse that was on mankind. He became every sickness and disease that was plaguing mankind. He became it on that cross and it disfigured him. He took the poison of what, what was in us. He took it upon himself so that we can be healed. So that we can live.
so that we can walk away healed and healthy and have eternal life so that we can become righteous so that we can inherit everything that God has listen I was reading how how this works how they make uh, when someone is bitten by a snake they have to help them with anti-venom and I said this to the Bible study uh, and and the way they make the anti-venom which combats the venom in the the person is killing them they have to take that same snake extract the venom dilute it and put it in a host like the body of a lamb or goat and when that stuff venom is put in that body the bloodstream the immune system kicks in and it creates antibodies uh, and those antibodies then are made to fight against the venom. So now you have antibodies that create an anti-venom. It kills the venom and its effect. And so when that body in that blood of that lamb uh, uh, starts to reproduce these antibodies, they then harvest it out of the bloodstream so that when someone is bitten by this snake, they can take the antibodies, the anti-venom, and put it in that person who has been bitten and it reverses, it kills the venom effect in that person's body. And so you have to understand that, isn't it wonderful that it is the blood of Jesus that without the remission or the taking away of sin, there is no remission without the blood of Jesus, that the blood has everything. See, this tells me it's more than just us being covered by the blood, it tells me what's in the blood. What's in the blood is what kills cancer. What's in the blood is what gives eternal life. What's in the blood is the very thing that can fight everything that we're dealing with. The blood has it, the blood of Jesus. Jesus' blood can kill the killer. It can take the captive captive. It can take the curse and put it away. Jesus' blood has the power to reverse everything that is wrong with us because it's in the blood. It's in the blood. So no wonder when he says he was made to be sin for us that we might be the righteousness of God because as he took our sin and then gave us his blood, his blood made us righteous. His blood made us not cursed but blessed. His blood made us holy. His blood makes us perfected. Even though we've got problems, his blood makes the difference. This is your will. And your will is to know what God has provided you. This is not blood, but let's like say the blood. Everybody say the blood. This is the word of grace on his blood. His blood is the word of grace. There's a lot of pictures of the word of grace. But as you get to know what Jesus provided, you can access it and it becomes yours. Now just for you knowing that, see God's going to bless you. Amen. What you know in the word God will bless you. What he, what you. When you know what God has given you and provided for you, it becomes an open door for God to give you what is his. And he, and listen, there's no other door of exchange except through the word. When you get the word, that's God's place of exchange to where he gives you what he has for you through the word. If you don't know it, you can't open that door. But if you know what's in the word. You can open that door and there's God giving you what he promised you in the name of Jesus. Can you say amen? This is why Isaiah says, and I love Isaiah 1 and 18, it says, come now, let us reason together. This is 1:18. Uh, this is a point of exchange. Come now, 
This is God saying, come, let's, let's think about this. Let's judge this. Come to my table, God is saying. Uh, the word is my table. Come to my table. Let us reason this thing out. He says, though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be white as snow. That means, and I'm sorry, the church doesn't even know what white sins are. And that's a shame. All we ever know is sin, gonna take it to hell, take it to hell, take it to hell, take it to hell. People don't know what God did about sin to the extent that there are now, sins are like white sins, which means they have no power anymore. Oh yeah, you should praise God for that. You should praise God for that. You know? What in the world are white sins? But he said, come to my table. Let us talk about this. Though your mess ups are scarlet, I will, here's the exchange, I will make them white as snow. Now, give me your mess ups, I'll give you white sins in exchange. <laughs> Y'all will get that next week. It's an exchange. When you come to the word and believe it, when you come to the will of God and you consume this and you take it in your heart, man, God, you really mean this? Hey, that's for me. Give me, give, give me, the, give me that, Lord. Give me that. Please give me that. You have to be able to talk to him about what his word says, but you have to know it. You have to go through it. You have to eat it. No wonder Jesus said, search the scriptures. Search through it. You're going to find your will there. You're going to find a point where whatever you need that God promises, you can come to that point in that word and come to God and that place becomes where you inherit. You can give up where you are to receive what he has. You don't have to stay in your inadequacies, ladies and gentlemen. You don't have to stay where you are. All you have to do is find the point of exchange in the word. And say, God is willing to give me this if I give him that. I don't have to stay weak. He said, let the weak say that I'm strong. I don't have to stay where I am. All right. A lot of people are just, you know, I found that human beings tend to, it's hard for them to believe what God says because they have become so acquainted with their weakness and their failures. And, and people are more, they're not fearful of, of failing and fearful of, of messing up. They're not fearful of, of just being inadequate. They're, they're more fearful of being powerful. People are more fearful of being successful. It, it's not what if I fail, it's what if I actually succeed. You know, and, and that's because we are so acquainted with failure and things going wrong. And God, God is saying, no, no, no. Don't stay there. Give that over to me and I will give you a place where all things are possible. All things are possible to them that, what? Believe. Oh, hallelujah. And so I, I'm, I, I, want, to, I want you to understand, we, we inherit through the word. We inherit through the word of grace. We inherit through the point uh, of of exchange. If you remember, we don't want to be in a place where we're making excuses. And it makes me think of the of the man that was by the pool of, of Bethesda for 38 years. And Jesus comes to him and he's saying, Jesus simply asks him, uh, man, will, will you be made whole? And the man gets just gets, he just starts rattling off his 
a custom position of not being able to make it to the pool. He's crying the blues. He's, I just, I've been here all 38 years, Jesus. I, I, nobody's come to take me and put, put me in the pool when it stirs up. And my, my, my wife left me and my children don't come visit me and it's hot outside and it's, it rains on me and I don't have an umbrella. And he's, he's crying all of his conditions. And God, when God is saying, I've got a point I'm trying to bring you to. Hey, listen, do you want to be made whole? Do you want to be healed? Do you know I carried your sicknesses and disease? Do you know what I've done and what I'm willing to give you? This is your inheritance. Do you want it or not? What's your will? Do you, is your will with my will? Hallelujah. And we got to be like the woman who, who actually touched the hem of his garment because she justified herself by what she said. She saw Jesus. She heard about him. He was passing by her neighborhood. She saw the crowd following him and she said with her own mouth, she said, that, that's the healer. If, if I but touch the hem of his garment, I shall be made whole. Now, not, now mind you, she had all kind of opportunities and uh, endeavors in talking with doctors and everybody tried to heal her but had no success she could have thrown in the towel she could have said forget it everybody I've gone to didn't help me at all but when she saw Jesus walking when she saw him in the neighborhood she made a determination with her own mouth and said if I but touch the hem of his garment something's going to happen and an exchange took place but Jesus himself turned and said who touched me virtue went out of him Healing went into her. Her touch touched him. She touched him with her issue, with her sickness. She touched him with her problem. He touched her with his strength. And the point of all of this, if you're going to inherit, you have to be in faith to reach God and touch what God is saying. Touch the word of God. Touch it with your faith. God has an exchange to give you. He has something to take from you. You've got to be willing to give it up. But God wants to give you something better in its place. Stop being used to where you are. Stop used to thinking the way you think. And let God take it and say this wrong thinking, this negativity, God, take it off me. Give me your mind. You read in Isaiah, it talks about this. It says, I will give them beauty for ashes that's an exchange y'all uh, ashes worthlessness the hardness of all the disappointments in life the loss of things ashes what I used to have that's gone that broke my heart it's gone ashes things that I lost and I used to have ashes now my life feels worthless ashes and he says, I'll take those ashes off of you. I'll peel back the layer of hardness. I'll give you a refreshed complexion of beauty. I'll restore your soul. I'll bless you inside and out. I'll breathe in you and you'll become brand new. Take it all. Take it all. Take what I want to give you. I'll take your ashes. And then he says, I'll give you the, the oil of joy for mourning sadness sorrow always crying disappointed worry crying anybody had tears recently anybody been crying recently anybody been disappointed recently hey listen it's morning 
It's a sadness, but he says, I'll give you oil of joy. Oil is the, not, it, it, see, joy is fruit of the spirit, y'all. And, 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 and the oil, is, it shows the fruitfulness, but not just the fruitfulness of the joy being on you, but the continuous supply. Oil speaks of a continuous supply. That means, Lord, keep, keep making, keep giving it to me. Keep, keep your oil of joy on me. And, and it really keeps me from, you know, the oil of joy will keep you from getting upset when things go wrong. It, it'll keep you looking up to the hills when everything's looking down. Oil of joy will not let you. See, you, your joy won't leave. Even when everything else looks bad, your joy will not leave because you know it's all in God's hands. Amen. But people who are moved by everything they see, it's got to go good in order for me to feel good. Away with that. If it goes good, I'm good. If it goes bad, I'm good because God is who I'm trusting. Give me some oil of joy, Lord. Take that. God says, come to my table. Let us reason together. Here's my word. I give you the oil of joy. You give me your sadness. Don't hold on to your sadness. Stop holding on to it. Stop having a pity party. You know, some people want to be sad. They don't, don't, don't take my sadness away from me. This is how I talk to God. No, you need to get that up. You, you need to give all of that, that pity and all that sadness and all that woe is me. And all, you need to give it all up. Just say, Lord, here, take this. I don't want this. See, and God's trying to give us what he promised, but we keep holding on to our stuff. And my stuff hadn't helped me, it hadn't blessed me, it hadn't lifted me, it hadn't done anything to give me life, it hadn't given me hope. It just keep repeating the same old, same old results in my life. And I've got to learn how to say, give it, just, just put it on the table. Everybody put it on the table. Just go ahead and do this. Put it on the table. Get, let the Lord take it. And, and let his word prevail to give you what he wants. He'll give you beautiful ashes, oil of joyful morning. He'll give you, he says, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. <clears throat> you know, I, I watch God's people and I can tell when the spirit of heaviness is on them because they've tried so hard to have things in their life to go the way they wanted and it doesn't go. <laughs> and they don't understand that when those times are there, they're there to actually help you turn to God and praise him. That means you hadn't, if you're heavy, that means you hadn't really been in God's presence like you're supposed to. You hadn't. And, and see, you've tried to run this race on your own. you tried to run in this life with your strength. And, and it starts to become a weight on you. And it becomes heavy on you. And then when you're heavy, you can't praise. You just don't want, you, I don't feel it. I, I, I can't sing. There's no song in my, in my heart. There's nothing that can come out out of the fruit of my lips. I, I heard a song the other day that says, no matter what I lost or no matter what has been taken from me, I thank God I never lost my praise. I never lost my praise. I never lost my faith. I never lost my hope in Jesus. Everything can go wrong, but thank God, I never lost my praise to give him honor and glory and to lift up holy hands without wrath or doubting. I never lost my praise for him. No matter what's going on, if a sick body, I never lose my praise. Every day I get up and see the sun come up and I say, praise God for a brand new day. Lord, you're running this whole thing. Praise you that 
this is a good day. Bless your holy name, Lord. I will bless your name at all times. Your praise will continually be in my mouth. God, you are worthy of the praise all day long. From the rising of the sun to the going down of the same. Your name, God. I will bless your holy name. I never will lose my praise. And God said, he'll give it to you. If you're willing to let go of your heaviness, God said, I'll give you that garment of praise. I'll give it to you. It's a point of exchange. It is your inheritance. All of these things God is trying to give you. And you are accumulating these things as you learn the word and make them part of your life. You are accumulating. Thank you. What else you got? See, I, I, this is the way I do God. What else you got? Alright, here, here, okay, I got this. Let me give it to you. What else? Come on. I'm dealing with God all the time because I want my whole inheritance. I want everything that he has for me. So I search the scriptures and I find new things that I didn't know were there. And I start talking to God about it. And I say, God, what do I need to give you so that you can give that to me? <laughs> Hallelujah. <clears throat> Y'all, inheriting is your right it's all your right it's all your right to do it it's your right by your words you're justified by your words you are condemned god left that to you it's your choice to live or to die to be blessed or not to be blessed to be healed or not to be healed it's your choice god has said it for you but you have to obtain this through the point of exchange which is what his word says for you in Jesus name let's look at one more I want to show you how Jesus this is my last point go to Zechariah <clears throat> chapter 3 this is my last point I want you to understand this because this is not going to be easy Not going to be easy. As soon as you start trying to get in your word, a little resistance is going to come. The devil's not going to lay down because you're going after your inheritance. He's going to fight you just because you're going after your inheritance. He's going to resist you. But God is faithful. You do your part, there's nothing that the devil can do to stop you from receiving your inheritance. How about that? If you do your part, there's nothing the devil can do to stop you from inheriting what God says is yours. Look, look, what, look what happened. This is, this is a picture. of The prophet had a picture of Jesus. And this is the last, as it were, layer of him receiving the reward for having been obedient to God to become our sin and to go into the lake of fire, hell, and the lake of fire to dispose of of our sin and to be lifted out of that to come before God's throne and to be rewarded for his obedience and his faith and even though it says Joshua here that's what the name Jesus becomes in the Old Testament if you take Joshua out of the Old Testament and put him in the New Testament his name is then Jesus if you take Jesus out of the New Testament and put it in the Old Testament it changes to Joshua 
So this is a picture of Jesus. And he showed me, verse 1, Joshua the high priest standing before the angel of the Lord and Satan standing at his right hand to do what? To resist him. That means to lie. He stands there to lie against you as you come before God and try to reason with him to make the exchange for your inheritance. Satan will meet you right there to lie on you. And the Lord said in verse 2, unto Satan, the Lord rebuked thee, O Satan. In other words, shut up. Even the Lord that hath chosen Jerusalem rebuked thee. Is not this a brand plucked out of the fire? See, in other words, did not he complete the course in taking sin of the world, dying the death of the sinner, going into hell, going into the lake of fire with all the sins, and he's plucked out of the fire. That's why he's here standing before me. And he says, now, Josh, now Joshua, verse 3, was clothed with filthy garments and stood before the angel. So Jesus got dirty dealing with our dirt. Jesus got filthy down in the fireplace of eternity, disposing of our sins to burn them all up. Jesus got dirty. Anytime you're dealing with a fireplace, you're going to come out with ash and dust and dirt on you uh, from the stuff that you're burning. And so the dirt of our sins and the remains, the residual was on him. And he says in verse 3, And now Joshua was clothed with dirt with filthy garments and stood before the angel. And he answered and spake unto those that stood before him, saying, Take away the filthy garments from him. And unto him he said, Behold, I have caused thine iniquity to pass from thee, and I will clothe thee with the change of raiment. And I said, Let them set a fair mitre. See, he's crowning him now upon his head so that they set a fair mitre upon his head and clothed him with garments and the angel of the Lord stood by and he goes on to make a swearing in as it were of his now inheriting the role of the high priest redeemed reclothed rewarded as the high priest of the church he is entered in that place where all power is given unto him in heaven and in earth. He was rewarded for his obedience unto the Lord. He was receiving his inheritance. He was plucked out of the fire from dealing with our sins. He was stood before the throne of God to declare his success. The enemy is standing by to resist that exchange. He's lying on him. He's accusing him. See, look at it. He's got dirt on him. He's not worthy of this. He's dirty. He's got sin on him. The enemy was going to lie. He's going to accuse before the throne of God. He's going to accuse you. He's accusing you right now before the throne of God for the stuff that's on you now. But see, if you're an inheritor, you are being aided and graced by God. And God will tell the enemy, shut your mouth. When they call Robert, when they talk about you in heaven, when the devil wants to talk about Robert, he's going to point out Robert's flaws. But the devil tells the angel, the, the devil, shut your mouth. And what happens is he grants Robert what he needs. He takes off the dirt stuff and he gives him the clean stuff. He takes off the weakness and he gives him strength. 
He takes the sickness and he gives him health and healing. The devil wants to resist you at the point when you come to the word to say, Lord, this is what you said. You said it's mine. You said you would give it to me. And the devil will try to stop you from getting what is yours by lying on you. But you can't listen to negative thoughts that says, oh, maybe I don't deserve this. Maybe this is not for me. You can't backtrack into that. You'll condemn yourself. You need to keep your testimony of what God said about you straight and straight on course so that you justify yourself before the throne of God and you can come before God and say I am not deserving of anything that you have for me I have messed up so many times but your grace and your mercy has come through Jesus Christ to bless me and when you come before God with the truth you are justified and no matter how the enemy accuses you of everything you've done you can turn to him and say you know you're right I did do that I did mess up but you can't do anything about it because God's grace God's mercy the blood of Jesus has blessed me through this and God will give me what he has and he'll take the dirty stuff off of me and let me rise up to be part of his kingdom can you say amen in here hallelujah everything that God has is yours you are Lord of all you are Lord of everything that God gives you you've got to inherit it you've got to know it You've got to inherit it. And don't let the negative voice of the devil cause you to backtrack in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. If you receive that, you better give the Lord praise, I'm telling you. Give the Lord praise in his presence.